Stand by for action. everybody welcome back to the pug tie guy podcast this is tom i'm safe in my michigan home when the snow is coming down uh neil is in sunny california and i think he was gonna try to escape from his family for a few minutes so we could record an episode are you there buddy i am i am yes it was uh, it's been quite the it's been quite the event so far for sure. <laughs> did you did you feed your family like lots of turkey dinner and wine so that they would sleep late so that you could uh mm. or yeah. did you just we're supposed to be seeing him again in another couple of hours, so Jesus, <laughs> it's been. Uh, it's been well, it's qu- funny because last time you went to San Diego, you were just—you seemed like you had such a good time, and this time you've been kind of communicating that maybe it's not as much fun as last time. And you're you're saying something that I always feel like is, which is that I'm basically the family's wallet, and they don't really care if I'm there or not. They just want me to pay for everything. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, just to put some context around this, uh, I've probably talked about it before, but my daughter Lydia is getting married. She gets married tomorrow, as a matter of fact. So that's why we're out in San Diego again. And um, we so today's Sunday. We arrived last Tuesday, I think it was, and. Uh, First couple days were fine, but the in-laws came in. The, Chris's uh, family came in yesterday. And so I was meeting them for the first time last night, which is what Tom was just talking about. And, uh, and yeah, for, for some reason, and it's a, it's a nice thought, right? It's a nice thought. Chris thought, that, oh, it would be nice if we have a, a, a nice home-cooked dinner instead of going out to the restaurant. And a nice thought, but who's going to do it? Who's going to cook it? And Chris is like, oh, we'll have everyone at our apartment. God love him. His apartment is the size of a fucking shoebox. <laughs> oh, so, it's, so it wasn't even at like the condo you were renting. It was at the apartment. Well, no, that was Chris's first thought. And I was like, dude, you don't even have seven chairs. How the hell are we going to get seven people in this tiny shoebox? <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. Plus all the neighbors are going to see all those victims walking in. They're just going to be like <laughs> waiting, out, waiting outside for you to come oh, exactly. back out. <laughs> exactly. You know, There's forget. a bunch of rich white people in there. Kid bulls will be going crazy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so Laura said, oh, well, let's have it at our place. So, because, you know, we're in the same two-story two uh, uh, Airbnb as we were last yeah. time. And, yeah, we have a decent Which you kitchen. love. That's what's got to be one of the highlights, I think, of your yeah, visit, we'll, right? We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a bit. But, yeah, so we had uh, – so everybody came here last night, which was, A, meeting them for the first time. Stressful. But then, B, we had to, you know, a home-cooked dinner, home-cooked Thanksgiving meal. So now we've got to go to the fucking grocery store and we've got to buy all the shit that you have for a Thanksgiving dinner, right? So not like Laura wasn't stressed enough, you know, about the whole wedding tomorrow and all that shit. Now she's got yeah. to cook a home-cooking dinner for these people she's never met before in this kitchen that she's never, we've never really cooked in. But you know and you I mean? don't even know what it's got in it as exactly. far as, like, pots and pans or anything yet. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, it was, quite, it was quite the event, which we'll, which we'll talk about. It actually went fine, but yeah. it was a lot of work and... To get back to your original point, yeah, it's just like everything out here. You know, we take Lydia and Chris to breakfast the other day. That was 120 bucks. 
You know, oh, yeah. we go out to dinner. It's 150 bucks. It's been, everything yep. has just been, it's just like handing out $100 bills like they're fucking, you know, tokens to a, or tickets yeah. to a gig or something, right? It's, uh, it's been. Well, it, the other thing I think is funny, you and I kind of talked about this. So Chris is 22 or something, right? He's a young guy. Yeah, he's, young, he's 21, 22. Yeah, he's younger than yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. So the other thing is, because I, okay, so like I said, mentioned my son, my 19 year old son is seeing this girl who's 18, almost 19. Her parents are 38 years old. Jeez. I'm like, how are you an adult even? You know, so you're having the issue where like Chris's parents are a little too old to be your kids, but not really. Like if you had started in high school or college, they exactly could be your, his parents can be your kids. Yeah, yeah. Rick, who was that's that's uh, that's Chris's dad. He's um, he's 42, I think, 41 or 42. Yeah. So he's uh, yeah, he's a lot younger than me. And then the grandma came for some reason too. So Rick's mom came. That was the who's, grandma. Who's who's your age? She's basically my age. <laughs> How's she looking, Neil? How's she looking? She looks like a she looks like a grandma. Uh, that's no disrespect, but that's you know, not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for like we, we talked about this before. I'm looking for the grandma like in the those sexy Depends commercials you see now, <laughs> like where these like beautiful like six year old women are just frolicking around in their skin tight Depends. <laughs> oh man, that's hysterical! That's hysterical. <laughs> but you've the seen sex, those, right? You've sex, seen the sexy Depends commercials. Sexy Depends. I I can't say that I have it. I can't say that I haven't. <laughs> Well, I was lucky. thinking. I was thinking more of like a movie star, you know, one of the old like sixty-year-old movie stars who still looks fantastic, you know. Ah, yes. Like Cher. Well, or I'll something, tell you what, you know? dude. I would take the sixty-year-old Depends commercials because ever since I turned fifty, a the AARP is the most relentless group I've ever seen. I must oh, get two yeah. emails from them a day still. Yep. And I'm, I'm tempted. It's like, oh, nine bucks a year for a whole year. I'm like, well, boy, I could save that the first time I used to discount at a hotel or something, you know. But it's uh. They're absolutely relentless, but also the ads for freaking ED meds. It's like if you're a 50-year-old man, it just never ends. It's the blue pill and the right. four hymns and all that. Yeah. So, And as soon as you have a click on one of them, then, it's, then it, is, it truly is never-ending. You, you, you got the sexy, sexy depends grandma and, and <laughs> continual hard-on grandpa. We're, we're living in a, a, a sexy society, Neil. Very sexy. <laughs> Um, was, <laughs> dude, you've completely thrown me for a fucking loop now with your sexy depends grandma. Uh, <laughs> I was pretty bad because apparently she comes from uh, she came from like mixed stock. It was Irish and a part gypsy, so I was just, like relentless in some of my gypsy pikey jokes last night. So mm. that was good. Um, are they are they conservative people or are they what kind of people are they? Because you you also are not someone who really adjusts your language uses for you know any kind of a situation. No, they were. Very, they were fine. They were very, you know, for for, for sexy depends, grandma. She, she was actually she was she was very free and open with her well, language, like, so it wasn't because like, you know prudish. I, I mean, you know, I'm 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 not a prude when it comes to language by any stretch of imagination. And when but I'm you, an adult, but you com- try right. When I'm an adult company, I, I talk the way I talk, but like I don't really curse very much around my kids, right? But you know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't hold it back at all. I mean, they were, you know, um, they they weren't conservative at all. They come from Northern California. Uh, yeah, which you know. well, which is different than Southern California, and he's in the military, which that tends to be a little different type of people, a little more like conservative, a little more patriotic type of stock, right? I think Chris's dad runs a, um, a pool cleaning business. Really? Yeah, which is kind of interesting, right? It's uh, just you never see that in. Well, I guess you would see it in Michigan, but you know, Chris is well, like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So yeah, so Chris joined the Navy. Well, good for him, man. And I, I, I uh, you know, I want you to uh, when you tell uh, Lydia congratulations for me. I'm real happy for these kids, man. I like to see uh, 
Matt, you he know, is, kids finding love is a beautiful thing. Chris was incredibly stressed, uh, incredibly really? stressed. Yeah. So again, he's, you loan him a couple. Of, you loan him a couple of Viagra's. His idea. So you're, you're gonna need these for your honeymoon, buddy. I got a, like a case of these things out in the car. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen these sexy grandmas? It depends. Just, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, no, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, he's incredibly stressed because it's, okay, it was his, his dad, his stepdad, and his dad's mother. So, that was who uh, came to this, to our, to our soiree yesterday. Which and his we, mother, I assume. Yeah. Which we, yeah. we, no, 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 the mother is persona non grata, no. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, you got a father and a stepfather and no, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And apparently, I think she, the, the mother is apparently on her fifth or sixth husband. Oh, and like her. 11, 12 kids, something like that. It's Ooh. crazy. It's a it's a complicated Northern California story. <laughs> I don't know. It, that's all. It's a whole thing. Uh, but, sounds, um, sounds amazing. Yeah, it, it would have actually made a good play or something. It would make a good comedy well, it, play it, out of what this. What it sounds like to me is that you're fortunate that you're not throwing a big wedding. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing I was going to say. You know, you're obviously you're spending a lot of money on this trip, flying back and forth and, and paying for everything. But the fact of the matter is, it's still just a fraction of what it would cost if your daughter wanted more of a, you know, a big wedding or something like that. So you probably should count your blessings, buddy. Well, unfortunately, she's threatening to do that next year sometime when he's back. Oh, she's on her own then. Screw that. <laughs> yeah, but he's back because he goes on an eight-month deployment in March, right, February right. or March. And then when, when he comes back, they're talking about having a, you know, inviting more people and having a real wedding ceremony or whatever. But, yeah, I'm not really. <laughs> so would that be in California or would she do that in Illinois? Uh, she would probably do it up by where Chris is from, which is in Petaluma in Northern California. Oh, heard of it. I've heard yeah, of it. Yeah. It's where, actually, it's where American Graffiti was filmed. All right. Have you ever well, seen I'll American tell you Graffiti? what. You know, is that a cue for me to play a song? Actually, I'm going to play a song. Because this right, is, fine. oh, so this is a, um, so you know the old 50s song, Be My Baby. Actually, probably early 60s. Sure. Um, the girl group song. Um, it's uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Spector. Ronnie Spector, yeah. Um, so the drones, who were a punk band from Manchester in the in the late seventies, yes. not um, the current drones, right? Not the current drones. Um, they did a cover of it on their on their one on their one and only album. Mm. Um, and actually, and this is this is kind of apropos because the guitarist, I believe, Gus Gangrene, just died. Mm. So uh, this is uh, yeah, this is dedicated to him and also to my daughter who gets married tomorrow. So this is the drones with "Be My Baby."
And if I had just one chance, I'd never let you go So I want you to say you love me I'll make you so proud of me I'll make them turn their heads Never be where we go So I want you be my And be my baby That was the drones from Manchester from uh, 77 with Be My Baby. Also, of course, famously covered by the Ramones on their uh, End of the Century album. Exactly. And I thought about doing the Ramones version, but the Ramones version is so lame. The production, the production sucks. Yeah, and it's got like it's got strings and shit, whereas this is a punked up, obviously. A punked the Phil, up Phil Spec, the I, I, still, I, I think End of the Century is, is a good album that was ruined by the production for the most part. Um, I know a lot of people really like that record. I think, I don't know, I think Phil Spector murdered it. The only thing that was worthy, or that came out of it that was good, is that all the Ramones have their story about Phil Spector pulling a gun on them. Yep. Which makes for very interesting reading in their biographies. But as far as the record goes, eh. Yeah, that's some good songs, unfortunately, that were kind of uh, ruined by some of the... Well, there's like those, there's a couple of mixes, like, I don't know if they ended up on the movie, the Rock, uh, the Rock and Roll High School movie, or where there was, but there's some like straight up punk mixes of some of the songs and they the like daniel station versions and they're they're pretty killer so yeah yeah but like i said they were just you know the ramones were trying to kind of make it i think that after that album they're just like eh, it's just not gonna happen uh, yeah that was because the, they they had that you know the, the cover was uh was them without the leather jackets right all in different yeah. colored t-shirts and stuff and i think they thought that was the one that was going to break them in the u.s and it never did it didn't really go anywhere Save so i must else. So I must say also, so Neil doesn't have his normal microphone set up. So if we sound a little weird, that's the reason. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually kind of amazing that I'm even able to do this at all because it was like a last minute thing as I was leaving the house on Tuesday morning. I was like, oh, I should bring my uh, one of my Apple, uh, you know, it's got the head- headphones and, and a mic built in. I'll bring that just in case we do something. Uh, not thinking that we would, but I'm glad I did because so, we can do, yeah, the, well, do and, this this and, morning. And if you've seen the microphones that we use... Um, yeah, I wouldn't want anything that shape going through my bag. To airport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a- what are you doing that thing, buddy? Yes. Your business. yes. I'm going to take it to my uh, sexy depends grandma. <laughs> exactly. Boy, she can really take it. A- anyway. So what? Uh, when did you, when did you say you left? We left on Tuesday morning. So this is, this is interesting. So we did it different. Like last time we did this, we flew to San Diego from O'Hare, right? Which is what yep. you'd normally expect. Just direct flight, sure. No, there's no direct flights from O'Hare. Really? Um, so O'Hare, everything, everything. I thought I thought you literally could fly from O'Hare to anywhere in the world directly. Not on um, Southwest because we fly Southwest. Oh, you picky bastard! So okay. Southwest goes. Well, we can. Yeah, here's the thing: you can you can check two bags for free on Southwest, so that's kind of cool. 
And Southwest uh, is a discount airline, right? I mean, they're a little cheaper. It's like in the middle. I think they call yeah. it like... It's not a, like the ones I fly in, like a Legion, where it's basically like a freaking city bus that goes in the air. <laughs> yes, it's a city bus with wings, basically. <laughs> yeah, like Spirit. Yeah, I've done that one to Florida before. Yeah, yeah. Frontier. That's, that's the other Frontier. You said, you said they got, got a fucking milk crate, which you have to fight See, with somebody are, for. The, the thing is, Neil, those are the only ones in Grand Rapids that go straight to anywhere. Yeah. So, so you kind of give up, like, you know, your human dignity to be <laughs> out of somewhere else in three hours, you know? Yes. You're sitting next to somebody who's got a goat on board for some reason. Well, I'm telling you, do you watch these videos from, like, airlines in the 1950s? And, you know, and I think I think we even talked about this before. Where there's just, like, these big open aisles. The guys are getting up, walking to the bar and stuff. It's like, man, I feel like I'm on a bus in India when I fly. Yeah, they're, like, wearing, like, suits and ties and stuff. And the women exactly. are in like, in, like, gowns with hats and stuff in the 50s. And now look where Smacking. we are today. Smacking the sky waitress in the buttocks as she walks by. <laughs> it sounds sounds nice. Um, I, I think I just figured out my last song. There we go. So, so sky, <laughs> sky waitress in the sky. Uh, but so we decided because last time we had such a disaster that we talked about this on one of the other shows. We had such a disaster coming home because we only had like a forty-five minute layover in Denver, and the plane was forty minutes late. So we had like five minutes to make it to Denver Airport. So I was like, we're never doing that again. We're never doing that again. So. Um, Southwest actually does fly direct San Diego, but from Midway, which is the other for people which is that don't know. It's a lot know. easier airport to yeah. deal with anyway. It's it's the other Chicago airport. It's smaller, right? It's a smaller airport, but it's uh, you know, um, everyone was telling me horror stories. I haven't flown out of Midway in twenty years, and people were telling me horror stories. The the bad thing about it for us is it's much further to get to Midway because it's on the south side. It's on the yeah. south side of Chicago, so it took us close to an hour to get there in the cab. But um, when we got there, and also we were flying the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So it was like, well, I don't know. Is it going to be a fucking mob scene? I don't know. You know, South, uh, Southwest said, you know, get extra time. So give yourself extra time to get to the airport or whatever, because it might be long queues. Dude, we were through fucking security in 10 minutes. That's we, what Greater Rapids is, man. It takes like 10 minutes and yeah. you just sit there and booze up for like two hours before you get on your plane. Yeah, I mean, I can't say it's always like that because maybe it's not, but Jesus Christ. we That's we, a small airport. I mean, it's just not that big of an airport. No, it's not. It's not. But, you know, but for that very reason, if there was a lot of people, you could see there'd be long lines and stuff. But like I say, we were through in 10, 15 minutes. It was crazy. And, you know, we had stopped at one of the shitty restaurants and had a shitty breakfast, but... We had time on our hands, which was nice. And the direct flight was nice, too. It was really nice oh, yeah. not to have Absolutely. to worry about your bags not getting there and stuff and, uh, and all that stuff. Because I always worry about that if you have checked bags and you have to, and you have to uh, change. They have, 40, they have 45 minutes to get your bag from one plane to the other. Yeah. Well, and it, it's, it's funny that you uh, say that Midway is – because the thing with Midway is I, re, I, I, I remember picking my daughter Alex up there when she was flying back from, I don't know, Virginia Beach or something. And it's the neighborhood around it is less than what you'd hope for. It's fucking that's shitty. That's what they're talking about. Yeah, it's a shitty neighborhood. Yeah, but sure. it's a, yeah, it's a small little airport. I remember we we parked and it was like two hundred feet from the parking garage to the to the terminal, you know. And, right. and I remember also that. Uh, well, the other thing is, I know O'Hare is a nightmare for parking. Is Midway any better? Or is it pretty much the same story? Well, it's like, not as big, obviously. Yeah, we just got dropped off. I mean, that was not a problem. Oh, at that's all. right. You took yeah. Yeah, yeah, we took, right. we took yeah. But uh, for parking, well, you well, you did it. Uh, you know, no, I, I've done it before. I would have picked. Well, up we just did like the, we just did like the short term because we just were there for like a half hour. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, even even Grand Rapids, now, our little airport here, which has huge parking lots, it's like twenty five bucks a day. Hmm. And I know it's probably at least double that at most of your 
bigger airports, you know? Yeah. What a yeah. freaking scam, man. They got all these service lots. Well, in Chicago as well, I think I've, I might have mentioned this before, but one time at O'Hare, you, you don't realize this. You park, I park at the airport, and I, I assume it's, it must be city-owned or something, because they go around and check all the parked cars and see if you have any tickets, if you have any outstanding tickets, and if they do, they will boot you. So I came back from being in Pittsburgh overnight for work once and got back to my car in the, in the parking lot, and my car had been booted because uh, I'd had, like, maybe one unpaid parking ticket for, like, five years <laughs> previously. And the thing is, how do you prove it? At that point, you have to travel out to one of the, to where the, uh, the booting place is, which is in one of the outside <laughs> parking lots. And, uh, you know, you're not going to argue with some disinterested lady for, like, an hour. But you don't, you know, you want you to just get home. So I had to pay, like, 400 bucks to get my fucking car and booted. Nice. That was, that was fun. But yeah, they do nice. that. They they drive around the they drive around the parking lot and check all the pocket all the uh, well, license plates. Well, that's what happens when you have a when you have a city that's run as well as Chicago and all the other crimes are solved. The cops have time to uh, <laughs> drive around and check. Yeah, check, check yeah. Out for yeah, no shit, no shit. There's right. more money in that than the the string of dead bodies any given weekend on the south side, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, uh, do you want do you want to play a song? Sure. We're talking about cars. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. You know, I would, I would update people on my saga, my personal saga. Oh, so okay. a couple weeks ago, I put a picture on that. For those of you who follow the Facebook group, I was driving to work on a Friday morning, just minding my own business, going like 30 miles an hour. I'm still in like the city limits. I'm actually by like the school. Our school is like one huge campus, one square mile, and all our schools are in the, all the buildings are in one campus. And this deer comes running out of nowhere, Neil, and obviously was suicidal and just ran right inside of my car. Mm-hmm. And it sucked, man. I pulled in the parking lot. I'm like, ah, you know, parts of her dragging my tire or whatever. And then I went back, and the thing was laying in the driveway on the way to the school so that the bus would have to either run him over. So all the school kids would be crying. So it wasn't dead, actually. I drug it off. When I went back later, it was gone. So either somebody took it and mounted it on their wall, or it got up and ran away, and it's very sore. But uh, Let's hope my, the uh, latter. Let's, let's, let's hope it was the latter. But my my uh, son and I actually I got parts from, from, from this is a modern world, dude. I got all I got a new fender and a new headlight assembly from Amazon, mm. and for two hundred twenty five dollars, my car is back up and running. And luckily, it's black because all the like parts come in prime black. So my car is fixed. It doesn't look amazing, but it looks pretty decent. Nice and, work. Uh, well, it's two hundred twenty five yeah. bucks plus an hour or two of your time, right? I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, like it a few was, hours and yeah. a little irritation, some cursing. Yeah. My son and I fighting a little, but you know that's normal stuff. No, yeah. I, I try not to be as miserable as when I used to have to help my dad with stuff like that when I was a kid, where I just remember it was just the worst thing there was. I couldn't hold the flashlight right, you know, the whole I, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when, anyway, when you were a kid, did you have to like? Did you used to have to wash all the cars when you were a kid? No, no, uh, we did. My jobs, my jobs. Okay, oh boy, these I mean, you bring back the trauma, Neil. I had to bring in wood. <laughs> That's why it's some burned, trauma. We burned wood. We burned wood in a wood fire. I had to haul in the wood. I had a younger brother, but like he only had to do it for like a couple years after I left, right? Uh, so I had to haul wood in. Dad would be like, "I need three armloads for that pile and five armloads that bring in the wood." Okay, and then the other thing, we had a Irish setter, and I had this big like, I don't know, it's probably like five foot by. Eight foot by twenty foot or something like concrete run that we poured with fence around it and stuff, and I had to go out there and clean up the dog crap. <laughs> That's that was, a great, great childhood. It's great in Wisconsin too when it's just like fro- it's just frozen, like the turds are literally like ignatius rock or something. Well, I much preferred that. I mean, from having dogs myself, I much preferred that than if the shit was sloppy. Because then, how the fuck do you pick it up? 
I don't know. I can't remember if I used like a hose or to like close it down. I don't remember. It's been a long, long time now. And you know, I loved dogs when I was a kid. I was a big dog lover. Um, at some point, my mom hated the Irish Setter. Always hated it. <laughs> it had that like. Uh, <laughs> this is this is happy happy family tales today. On so bad, I die. I, I, I'm getting further and further away from the song I'm gonna play. <laughs> but you know, Irish Setters have like that black crap around their lips, and when they shake their head it's just like black stuff goes all over the walls my mom would get so mad so anyway my dad oh boy this really is evil stuff my dad went hunting out west to wyoming to hunt antelope with his dad okay and my mom took the dog to the main society oh no <laughs> that's amazing that's fucking horrible dude i cried and screamed trying to get her back she wouldn't do it anyway my uh you know sparky be long dead by now but he uh and it's funny because as an adult, like after I had kids, like I, I just didn't want dogs. My family had to beg me to get Sheena, who's, you know, fourteen years old now, kind of at the end of the end of the line. But I was a dog lover, and somehow I just I'm just not a dog lover at all anymore. I just don't want the trouble of pets. Like I don't want to deal with it. Like you guys had to go, you guys went away for like ten days now. I'm sure you got to pay somebody to take care of your stupid animals. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's another true. another expense. Yeah, that's that is, that is true. That's another three hundred bucks. Anyway, which just disappeared. Said, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Before we start getting into my childhood trauma, we uh, we were talking about cars. So I actually I want to dovetail on this when we get back, since this episode is not very structured anyway. But this is uh, Buzzcocks Fast Cars. This is from uh, a different uh, another music in a different kitchen or something like that. Is that that? What's this yep. from? You know, first song, first song on another music right, in a different kitchen. Bu- yep, the Buzzers Fast Cars. there with fast cars which is uh actually uh that probably in love battery are my two 
favorite Buzzcock songs of all time, which is uh, which is interesting because probably actually that was the first Buzzcock. It wasn't the first Buzzcock song I ever heard, but that was first song off the first album. So I was always in love with that. Plus, it's so simple. I mean, the bass line is is like three three notes, right? I think it was a. It's, got, the, it's got it's got the guitar part where it kind of sounds like a siren. It's kind of a, a yep. thing that punk bands loved to do back in the day. I think it was a Steve Diggle song. I think he wrote that. Did he? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because, well, once again, I was kind of inspired by the car thing, but also to veer away from the California thing for a minute, we'll come back to it. But, um, you know, this people are very fascinated with the, the conversation that you and I had. I could call it a, a, like a married couple argument that we had talking about, like the Riverdale's thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, and the kind of minutiae of the whole thing. And the Buzzcocks are one that comes up. I know you kind of brought them up as far as, boy, are they even – what gives them the right to be the buzzcocks at this point when the main guy is gone? Um, but the the, uh, the difference, I would, th- you know, one of the things is for some reason Diggle was able to get the name right. I guess after Peach, I mean, I think maybe him and Peach Shelley owned the name jointly because I mean Diggle was in the band from the very beginning, even though sure. he was the original bass player actually. Um, in the band, was he always in the band? He was, was always, he the- in, yeah, he was always. Okay, in the band, so he yeah. was there for the whole forty year. Well, well, well uh, Shelley and Devoto formed the band. Okay, but Diggle was the Diggle was the first one of the first people they brought into the band to be the bass. So he player. was on every recording, or yeah, whatever. he was on, he was on everything. Yeah, even though, like I say, he was playing bass on on Spiral Scratch. I think he played bass. Well, it is it is interesting, right? Because you know, you you look at you know, and the other one we were talking about, like uh, the Dead Boys. So I, I, the only time I ever saw the Dead Boys was only Cheetah Chrome. And honestly, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't the drummer actually own the Dead Boys name? Isn't That's Cheetah what, Chrome sort of sort of like playing with fire, even calling them, himself the Dead Boys? Yeah, there was some, we, we talked to somebody about that at that show, I believe. And I think somebody told us that, yeah, the drummer Johnny Blitz owns the name, which is why Cheetah can't, at least for recordings or something and merch, which is why Cheetah couldn't sell any Dead Boys merch. It's amazing because he could have sold twenty five, thirty dollar yeah. T shirts. Yeah, he could have sold a bunch, but I he guess he could have got so much drugs with that money. But I guess, <laughs> I guess legally, <laughs> I guess legally he can't do Dead Boys merch or put out Dead Boys recordings. But but he, why not? Why not just bootleg it? I mean, uh, everybody's bootlegging everything now, right? Like yeah. we're living in the golden age of bootlegging. Yeah, and you, and you'd wonder at at this stage in the age they are, why would why would because when I first saw them, it was it was uh, Johnny Blitz was still in the band, right? It was Johnny, so yeah. at least I had a little bit more authenticity, maybe because it was him and Cheetah. Um, but you think at this age, you really think they can't hammer out their differences for fuck's sake, you know? Well, I I think the reason they can't hammer out their differences probably is because there's probably not enough money involved. Well, you think though? I mean, imagine this though: if they did, if they managed to get Jimmy Zero back in the band too. Yeah, and it was pretty much the whole original Jeff, band. Jeff Magnum, right? I Jeff mean, they Magnum, yeah. All, the other four are all alive. Yeah, I mean, get them, get them all together, and then go on tour with that singer who was a very good Stiv impersonator, right? Yeah, I mean, that would be a that would. You think a, they they could play like main stage punk rock bowling if they were to get their get their crap together? Well, unfortunately, well, I'd say it might even be like the Misfits now that they've they've you know after Jerry only did all the different versions of the Misfits, they almost ruined the name, right? They like almost, black like black flag, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the cheetah might have driven that dead boy's name into the well, ground now, but, but it, who knows? Who knows? But it's funny, like okay, so I two times saw, you know, I'm a big Danzig fan, even though he, you know, has been bad for longer than he was good. But I, I'm a big Danzig fan. But I saw twice: once at Riot Fest and once at a small club here in Grand Rapids. I saw 
Doyle come up with Danzig and do a half hour's worth of Misfit songs, which was amazing. And the fact of the matter is, was probably because I saw it in a small club or an intimate setting, probably more enjoyable than it would have been going to a giant hockey rink and seeing the Misfits play. Yeah, that's true. Or seeing that one of those later Misfits versions where it was him and uh, it was Jerry Only and who was it from Black Flag that was playing drums? Was uh, Daz. Daz. It was Daz. And, oh, yeah, yeah, Robo for a while was playing drums. But then remember, I saw that really odd era where Marky was playing drums. Yeah. Des was playing guitar, Jerry was playing bass, and it was literally like a punk rock review. It's like a, a cruise ship <laughs> punk band. Like they were doing Blitzkrieg Bop, and they were doing Rise Above, and they were. It was it was so weird. It wasn't unenjoyable, but that's the thing with all this stuff. It's like who cares if you enjoy, you know it, if you enjoy it. You know, I, I've seen Screeching Weasel a couple times. But I also saw Jughead and Friends play a bunch of old, like, Screeching Weasel songs. And they, like, dug deep into the catalog and played a bunch of obscure stuff, as opposed to the actual Screeching Weasel, whose set list changes very little over the years, you know? Well, and that's probably like uh, Black Flag versus Flag, right? I mean, Black Flag are pretty horrible now, whereas Flag was supposedly fantastic. Well, right? did you ever see Flag? I, did, I never did, no. no but yeah, I they were good really things. good, but they really stuck to... I don't think they did anything after... Uh, my my war era, which is which is what you want basically. You don't want it well, yeah, later dirty well, shit, that, right? Like the first half of like even the second half of my, my war is unlistenable. It's yeah. a little clunky. Yeah. And I do like a few of the tracks. You know, I like slip it in and a few of the later tracks, Black Coffee and some of the. But it was definitely much different musically. But you know, they had Dukowski play bass, and he basically, I think, my war was kind of like his album, or at least half of it. Uh, but yeah, after that, I don't know. But it is, it is, a, you know. It's a delicate I, balance. It is, it, it really the is. Dead Kennedys are still playing. Yeah. And the thing with the Dead Kennedys, they're a fun band to go watch. Obviously, it's not Jello, that insufferable prick. No, it, it, I, I take that back. Jeff, Jell's, no, I don't. But anyway, that's what always, he always was. That's what makes him lovable, right? But, um, but if, you could always say, well, it's the main three guys. Even though D.H. Plager was not the original drummer, he only didn't play in the first album. You know, he played on everything else. Right. So it's, it's basically so the, say, the, the most famous say, version of the band, yeah. We have the four guys playing the music they love. They can't get along with Jello, probably for good reason. So it's fun to go and, and sing along. But once D.H. died, now, if, now I'm kind of like, oh, you know, it's kind of lesser now. Are they still well, doing it? Are they still doing their thing? Yeah, they're still playing. Okay, I so the, the rundown in Texas recently, the but they thing, do like long weekends. It's not like they're on tours necessarily, you know. But the thing I never understood about that is why did they never record any new songs? Because they could have done very easily. I mean, they're all accomplished musicians, and they, yeah. you know, they, I don't know why they never put out an album. Do you think nobody, new- nobody else in the band could write pretentious enough lyrics? <laughs> Well, I mean, but that's know, not even true. That's not even but true. Musically, Jell- they were great. Musically, well, they, they were. were awesome. and, and the fact of the matter is, Jell's lyrics weren't always. I mean, the Guantanamo stuff is is kind of, uh, you know, it's just it's not amazing. It's sort of like beating. It always felt like the stuff he's doing now. I always feel like it's kind of beating a dead horse. Like some of the songs are good, but they're too long. Beating too a dead whore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but but I mean, yeah, you think, but but by the same token, here's the thing: you say that, but is that what you really want? Because it's, it's like, okay, you're seeing the Dead Kennedys, like, hey, we're going to play a couple new ones. What are you doing? You're going right to the pisser, maybe grab a beer. I no, mean, but, you know what? It, but it makes it's like, see- Black, dude, Black Flag did another album, you know, 
10 years ago or whatever. Well, it and is, that was the worst thing they could have done, right? Well, it's a delicate balance, though, because it does make them seem like more of a real band, though. If they're not, yeah. I mean, they may basically just be a cover band at that point if all they're doing is all old songs. I mean, uh, the, the Buzzcocks that we were just talking about, that's a, that's a good case in point. Because, yeah, the Buzzcocks stayed together and... Um, they did, well, if you saw them live, it was a majority of the old songs, but they did keep putting out good albums because they're good songwriters. And then yeah. it makes them seem like a real band, right? That they're still recording new songs and they'll put one or two of them into the set. But it certainly wouldn't be a set of just the new songs because that would be a disaster. I mean, they knew what people wanted to see, right? So it's a, the whole thing is a delicate balance because the thing you never want to have happen is what happened to Sham 69, where there was a guy, you know, who maybe the and I don't even know who the guy was to be honest. He was the bass player. It was right? the bass player. Yeah, he joined with a couple of the originals, and then the other two originals left, and then he carried on the band name. And that's the American version. That's the American right? version, yeah, yeah or, or whatever you call them. Tim and then, V's, Tim V's, or something. Yeah. It's Tim V. Yeah. And then and now Jimmy Percy and the original band members have resurrected a version of Sham Sixty Nine, but they don't what? have they don't have the rights to the name. So, it's hard to argue with <laughs> Percy and Parsons. I mean, those right. were the guys. Right, and Trigana. Yeah. So uh, they have their own, they have the real version of the band, but they can't use the name. So the whole thing is just a fucking travesty, right? Um, well, uh, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, once again, this is obviously much different, but I remember there was like Ario Speedwagon and there was Gary Rickrath's Ario Speedwagon because like the original guitar player put together a different version of the band. And it's, uh, it does suck when you see like punk bands get to that level of nonsense yeah so I, I yeah the whole thing is the whole thing is just odd uh but the, yeah, anyway, I, anyway. I, I feel like i'm gonna have to put something in my will so that if i die neil can't continue without me because <laughs> i think he's just gonna get a scab version of the a scab version of the podcast dude i'm two I'm, I'm 10 years older than you i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> but anyway you know i don't know who knows um all right, so we play another song, and then we can get back to your vacation. I just, like I said, it's interesting, and people, a, a what I've learned, Neil, is that people love to listen to us argue, yes. like that's like that's something they love, <laughs> and it is, like I said, it's it's definitely, uh, I think there's a lot of gray area there, and one man's, you know, one man's treat is another man's poison. So, anyway. Yeah, and to me, it didn't make any difference anyway because I didn't know the band particularly well anyway. So I mean, there you no, go. Was, I had no sword in the fight, really. But um, you had no sword in the fight, just like Daria. There we go. <laughs> All right, let's. Play, well, you want to play one, or you want me to play one? Um, you play one because I. The rest of my songs, I've got a story behind them. So, um, I think you should play the, the only, MIA the song only, you were talking about. The only story I have behind this song is I'm still kind of I'm, I'm pretty much done going through those records that I that I. I don't know. Inherited's not the right word. I was given to by a mm-hmm. by a friend of mine, and uh, two of the records in there. You had two of the later MIA records. Okay. Actually, a lot of that stuff, you know, was like mid eighty stuff where the bands were starting to kind of. Uh, I call it like a post punk. Really, hmm. wasn't as aggressive. Definitely had a little more of a like alt rock feel to it, but it wasn't bad. They were still good, you know. But uh, yeah, MIA from Las Vegas. Their classic album was called what? Murder in Farm Places. The classic yes, early yes. 80s album? This one, yeah. this, one, this one I think was called After the Fact. I think this song is from. Okay. And the funny thing is, I also love a version of this song done by The Faction. Hmm. The great skate punk band. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is uh, MIA doing The Mamas and the Papas, California Dream. And this one's for you, buddy. All right, buddy. <laughs> 
that was MIA with California, the version of California Dreamin'. Uh, MIA, obviously, Missing in Action well, stands for. Well, it's, it's funny because I'm like, well, Neil, I know you're not having that much fun, but at least the weather's beautiful. And then you're like, yeah, the weather's not even that great at the moment. It's like, ah, because it's, it's sort of like snowing here. It sucks. It's like high in the mid-30s, you know? Yeah, so I'll take this any day. So even though it's only like, let's see, what is it, 62 outside? It's still sunny and beautiful, you know? So I'll, I mean, I have, I'll I have take switched, that. I've switched over to pants. Yeah. Oh, damn. Then we know it's that we know it's a big deal. It's a deal. tragedy. Yeah, yes. it's a tragedy. Um, yeah, Rick actually sent my buddy Rick from uh, from home sent me a, a video of the snow falling in his garden. So you know, these even though it's a bit chilly, I was still able to venture out this morning to the hot tub. So you know, so you. <laughs> Ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So 15... Feels like I in the hot tub, because I remember I was talking the other day, and you're like, oh, I'm going to head up to the hot tub. I'm like, it's 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's it's awesome. It's an awesome way to start like, the morning. Don't have to worry about anybody else being in there at that time. Any right? of those fucking kids, yeah. No, but dude, it's awesome, because, you know, wake up, go out to the hot tub 15 minutes, then go swimming for 15 minutes, and then go back in the hot tub again. It's an awesome way to start the day. Nice. It's like, that's how I want my retirement to be, you know, do that every day. <laughs> and all those showers you're saving. Yeah. <laughs> Well, then I have to take a shower because I'm all of fucking chlorine. Just and cover the chlorine. Put yes. spunk in the hot tub. Who the hell knows? <laughs> Probably. Well, that's why I turned up to 103, Neil. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I was really fighting to make the joke about how you and your daughter both love semen, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Seriously? <laughs> you went there? Okay. Uh, yeah, well, what are you going to tell you? I can be quite lowbrow, Neil. I can be quite lowbrow. So, so anyway, so oh, so okay, okay, so the two, yeah, Jesus Christ, I haven't really even talked about this. So the Tuesday, so we did the midway thing. It was easy. The flight was easy. San Diego Airport is a disaster because it's been under construction for like three years. And I, I assume pretty big, but yeah, it's it's big, and you have to, but you have to walk like fucking half mile to get to the ground transportation, which gets you to the car rental place. And you were talking about. Um, What's the retirement thing that we were talking about before? What's the hell is that place called? The place that keeps sending you all the all the applications. Oh, AARP. AARP. Thank American you. Association yeah, of Retired, retired. Persons. <laughs> retired. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, sorry. But yeah. So. Um, slip. So we we were looking for car rental, and we're like, oh, we'll look at AARP. Did you use your AARP discount? We didn't, but we used our AAA discount because I belong to uh, AAA. Are you and, are you in the AARP now? Uh, I was for a year, and then it was like I'm not getting anything from this, so I I didn't. But they keep well, they, they keep sending me shit every. Five like I minutes. said, I think you you know if you use like I swear it's cheap, it's dirt cheap. So I think if you do like use the hotel discounts or something, I'm sure it pays for itself. Well, he's he's what he was going to say. So I looked at what the AARP rates for rental cars was, and it still wasn't anywhere near as good as AAA. So if you're a AAA okay. member, they give you really good discounts. So, but mm. for, for whatever reason, we went to th- thrifty. Right or sure. yeah, thrifty rent. Yeah, thrifty, thrifty rental. Yeah. So we get off this bus after like a half hour bus ride or whatever the fuck it was at this stupid <laughs> busted ass airport, um, and there's like and there's like twenty five people in line for the fucking thrifty, and there's like Ugh. two people working, and they couldn't be it's less. Like twenty five people in line. There's like twelve cars in the lot. Yeah, and and so there's literally two people working, and they're like disinterested. So whatever. We it was like that the last time too. So what we get our do? car. It's fine. So we drive, but as we're doing that, we walk past like the Alamo and the Avis rental places. There's like 10 people working. They're all dressed professionally and there's no line. And it's like, well, you know what? Next time we're going to spend the extra 50 bucks and I'm going to go to one of the fucking professional car rental places into this busted ass crappy thrifty shit. Um, so anyway, so we, so we get to the, we get to the, um, we go to the same places we got last time, the same Airbnb. But they said they were going to put us in a different unit. Uh, fine. You know, they said it's exactly the same. 
and we get in and it's not exactly the same at all. There's someone parked in our parking space. We have assigned spaces, right? Um, oh boy, time for a little sugar in the gas tank, huh? There's someone parked in our parking space and we get into the unit. You know, we've got like six bags. It's fucking heavy and we've been traveling all day. Um, so we're pissed off anyway. And we get into the apartments, and it's not the same at all. There's like, there's like, instead of double beds, it's like single beds, and the place smells. So we're like, well, fuck this. I'm going back. I want the original apartment we were in, and it was available. So we got into the one that we were in last time. So that was fine, but Tuesday was kind of a washout of a day. Mm. But then Wednesday, Wednesday was fun, because I was going to get a haircut, because I, I wasn't able to get in with Mike uh, to get a haircut before I left. He was so, busy. so Mike is still cutting hair. I mean, I, 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 okay, I thought he was done with cutting hair, but okay. Right. Well, for, for for certain people on the days that they're not open, he uh, will do it. But he's okay. not. He's not. He's certainly not advertising himself as a barber like doing anymore. This, do it for you in his mom's basement, in the back room of the shop or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, anyway, he wasn't able to do it because he had this plain white tees thing he was putting on and all that. Ah, uh, yes. So um, so anyway, I got a I got a haircut at a place here that that Lydia went to, where the woman uh, has been in the punk and rockabilly scene for like twenty five years or something. So that was cool. So and it was in the part of the city I can't think of what it's called. It's a, it's a neighborhood called like Hillside or something. Well, Boys Town. It's, basically, it's very much like that because it's very gay. It's it's a very gay uh, artsy you know community in that part yeah, of the just... city, and that's where Tang Records is. So oh, okay, okay. I got you my, went there last time. Yeah, so I got my haircut, and then we got something to eat, and then in this, in this, you know, in this area, and we walked over to Tang Records. So you said there was something you wanted a Tang. Um, it, it's a, it's a really interesting store because it's long and it's thin. It's not very big, but the place is crammed with. There's just records everywhere, right? The stuff on the mm. floor, the stuff they have. They have rare stuff on the walls. A lot of seven-inch old punk rare seven inches, right, on the walls, and um, used uh, used section, new stuff. They have uh, the, the Tang Records, you know, their own record label. Obviously, they have all their stuff in in one thing. So I was able to buy you what you wanted. I got. Um, they had the first Excellent. Dropkick Murphys. They had the first Dropkick Murphys Do or Die, which I'd never heard. Which you keep talking up. Do you not know that record? Oh, that's the I know first the one. second so one. I know the gang's all here. I know that one, but I, I, I haven't really heard this first oh, one. Oh, Do so. or Die is, such, is by far their best record. By so far. you've always said that. So they had it, and they had the original press on Hellcat. So yeah. it, was, it was like 35 or 40 bucks or something. That's not a bad price. I mean, right? it's always been on Hellcat. I mean, the reissues, too. It's always... Oh, though, T- Tang didn't reissue it themselves? No, no. They oh. just did the one-off. They did a couple of DraftKings movies thing. They did a... They did that split, obviously, with the business. And Which is I'm what you wanted, yeah. Was, yeah, I'm trying to think if there was something else. I think just that. They did that in a 12-inch, and they did a 7-inch of it. Okay. So anyway, so they had this they had this Hellcat uh, release, and it was the 1997, so it is the original press, I guess. So they had that for 40 bucks. so I bought that. And uh, I picked up that, that business Dropkick Murphy split that you wanted and went to the counter to pay. And... Um, I don't know if you remember last time I said there was like a disinterested like 17-year-old working behind the counter. Ah, I gotcha. This time there was an older guy there. And he immediately looks at what I've purchased and he goes, oh, well, if you like this, uh, I should pull out this for you. And he goes rooting around in the back and pulls out this band called, uh, shit, what the hell is it called? Was it everybody out? Everybody out. Say? Everybody yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, That's yeah, Rick this Barton is- and some yeah. singer I can't remember. Yeah. So he starts telling us the full story about that. 
And he goes, you should, you should buy this too. And I'm like, who is this guy? And why is he trying to upsell me this, this stuff? So I kind of was like, oh, so what, were you the manager of this band or something? You know, just being funny, right? And he's go, no, I'm, I, I put it out. And then he starts showing me his name all over the back cover of it. And he's like, it's really good. It It's like the bit, uh, Dropkick Murphys meets Stiff Little Fingers. And I'm like, oh, all right. He's trying to upsell me on that. <laughs> it, is a, it is a good record. I mean, I, have, I don't have it on vinyl. I have it on CD. I, I do like it, but I haven't listened to it for a long time, I must say. So, I mean, I mean, this was amazing. And then he starts... Of course, you don't have a turntable. You ain't listening to anything, have you? So you don't know. And then... <laughs> And then, he, and then he starts pulling out all this other shit. And he's like, yeah, you should listen to this, listen to this. And I'm like, hold on a second. Are you the owner of this place? And he's like, yeah, my name is Curtis. I'm the owner of... Uh, Curtis Casella, yeah. And so then it was... And it, and it was so funny because there was like a line of people behind us wanting to buy things. But he was just so insistent on talking to me. And it just he just starts telling stories. I don't know how the hell it fucking came up. Like, but, he could tell a fellow old punk guy, and he just wanted to, yeah, he's been saving those stories up. Dude, he starts telling me stories about booking the Misfits. I don't even know how the Misfits came up, but he starts talking about booking the Misfits in their first gig at some church hall or something, and mm. he pulls out a, a, a big poster of him singing along with, uh, with, jeez, uh, Glenn Danzig? Glenn Danzig, thank you. Of him singing along with Glenn Danzig, you know, when they both looked about 15 years old. And uh, huh. it was just story after story after story. He was, you know, and I, I could match him for some other stories, right? You know, because he's telling me about uh, the best band I ever saw live was the Cramps. And he shows a picture of him singing with the Cramps or, you know, in huh. the crowd with the Cramps. And I'm like, yeah, I, I saw the Cramps in 1979, so I probably saw them before you did. So it was like a bit of one-upmanship on the stories. Uh, yes. but. But then Laura says, like she always does, man, she's our biggest champion. She's like, you should come on this podcast. Neil, yeah, Neil, my Neil, wife's he, much better at yeah. spreading the word for us than I am, yeah, too. Yeah, Neil, Neil does a podcast. Uh, look, we put, one of your, we put one of their stickers on the, on the wall right here last time we were here. And uh, he goes, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we, fuck, I'd love to have you on if you wanted to come on and tell some of these stories. Uh, I would love to have you on. And he, actually, he absolutely jumped at the chance. So he, he obviously you're right. He he wants to tell the world all the, these stories that he has, you know. Well, and he's super interesting, super interesting guy. So he um, he pulled out. Uh, there's a compilation, Tang, the first ten singles. Oh yeah, yep, yep. So yep, he yep. pulled that out and gave it to me. You know? Nice. Yeah. And meanwhile, again, still there's like 15 people in line now waiting to buy stuff because I've been talking to him for like a half hour. You know. So I got his. Uh, so, I, I got so his. My- my, so I remember people telling me about the store. I'd never been there, obviously. But it sounds to me like the Tang stuff is really reasonably priced. Is like the other stuff pretty high? Because I remember people saying, oh, the prices in there are crazy. So he, oh, that's the first thing we started talking about, actually. So I saw that he had uh, the first negative approach on the wall. Seven inch? Yeah. yeah. He said he, he had that price for like 5000 I think. Something <laughs> like that. Um, he had the first Necros. So, I mean, he has a lot of rare stuff on the walls. Yeah. And we were talking about, I said, because he had um, the first two Generation X singles, but the Japanese releases of them, which came in really cool picture sleeves. So we were talking about that. So we bonded over that. And, um, yeah, he was just telling me about how much much some of this stuff. He has the the original Misfits single, Seven Inches, I think. Oh, yeah, those are big money. Well, I saw saw a Misfits thing on eBay. Now, will it sell? I don't know. It's like $25,000 or $28,000 or something. Jesus wept. Yeah, who's paying that, right? So maybe that's how the Misfits thing came up. 
maybe that's how that came up. And one of well, the guys I, behind me in line said he just sold three hits from hell for like 2,500 or something. And so Curtis was talking to him as well. And it was, mm. uh, yeah, it was, it was just a really, it was, we talked to him for like a half hour. I felt bad for the people in line behind us, but he's, huh. he seemed very eager to come on the show. And I think he'll oh, be a cool, great man. guest. I, lo- so. I, I love to have him on. I, I've, I've said over the years, I'm a big fan of his label. And I believe he started out on the East Coast, right? I think he's from Boston. He's originally. from Boston. Yeah, he's from Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Him and Doctor Strange, who we also have a contact with now, who I have in I have phone number four. I believe it's the same thing. I think he started out in Boston too and ended up migrating to sunny California. Yeah, because this first this Tang first ten inch, the first records they all put out, it's all yep. East Coast bands, right? It's Gang yeah. Green, yep. Last Rite, Stranglehold, Negative Effects, Le- he, of course, Lemonheads, Gang Green, funnily enough. Freeze. I mean, a bunch of stuff that I love. Yeah, yeah, Slapshot. So actually, I'm going to play a Slapshot song right now. Cool. Thank so, you, Boots. I am going to play Might Makes Right. Okay. So uh, I don't know if you if you know that song, but I think that was off one. I don't. I don't. But I I, I, I do like Slapshot, even though. Yeah. Their shows were supposed to be legendarily violent. Yeah, so that's off this one of these first seven inches that they that they put out on Tang. So yeah, this is the first thing from Tang Records tonight. This slapshot might makes right. Slapshot there with Mike Makes Right. So I'm assuming they were all like hockey Boston Bruins fans, which is why they called Slapshot, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. I'm having this flashback, Neil, that somebody at that giant Oi show I saw, where we saw six Oi bands, somebody played the great Slapshot song, Hang Up Your Boots. But I might be wrong because I drank too much and there was too many bands and they all kind of blend together after a well, while. The, but. Uh, the, um, what, was the, what was the Reggie show that I went to with you and Scott just before that? Uh, Jesus Christ, why am I drawing a blank? How old am I? Jesus Christ. It was only a couple months ago. And anyway, we were upstairs sitting. Oh, it was T1 Fest. It was oh, T1. T- yeah, T1 yeah. Nobody, pl- nobody played a Slapshot cover at T1 Fest, Neil. No, I'm talking about we were upstairs in the, ba- in the bar upstairs. 
and there was oh, a little yeah. bald-headed angry bartender. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He played a slap shot. He played a slap shot song, and he was singing along with it. He seemed very uh, angry and into it. So that's yes. That's, his his that. section of the Shire is definitely angrier than <laughs> where most of the hobbits live. Maybe he could go along with the drummer from Zoonoids. A <laughs> <laughs> drummer from Zoonoids is a super nice guy, and he's doesn't even take it too personally when you say he's a troll and he plays his drums with giant hammers. And he, li- he lives in the Shire as well, though, which is... Yeah, exactly, sense. exactly. <laughs> the Shire is such a picturesque place. I never, like, pictured it, you know, graffiti and spray-painted. <laughs> angry, angry, bald-headed guys. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Good times, man. Good times. So, yeah, so my, my trip to Tang Records was... Uh, it was it was fantastic. I, I came out of there glowing. I gave him stickers. I gave a sticker to the guy that was behind me in line that we'd held Just up. Just give everybody in line. Here's your parting <laughs> gift for waiting in line while I talk to this guy. Basically, right it's funny. I came out that day with five stickers thinking, well, I'll, you know, uh, maybe I'll stick one up. I gave away all five within like an hour. You know? Nice. So, so, that was, so that was that. But uh, that was It's a, like, my, was a really it's like my business card. I really do try to keep a few of them in my pocket. So if I yeah. talk to somebody, I just take them out and... Yeah. Now, Curtis, Curtis gave me a cell phone number, so I've been in contact with him a couple times. So after, nice. I, after I get home, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely. Yeah, set, I, set I feel up. like uh, we've we've been real kind of guest light lately, and it's a lot of it's just my laziness and just various. We've been so busy, it's hard to book stuff. But I do feel like in December we're probably going to get back to having a lot of guests, of course, and then we're going to have our year end. Uh, you know, everybody loves a listicle. We're going to have our year end listicles, so. Yeah, which I think is I think, and we're going to have an interesting. What I think is going to be a really interesting sort of reunion for one of our top ten lists, which I'm sort of uh, yes, interesting to see how it pans out. So. I, think, I think that'll be interesting too because I think there'll be two very disparate lists. Of, and, and, uh, of and, well, songs. and it's, it's it's the reunion that people want. It's not Blink One Eighty Two. It's the reunion that people want, and it's and it's going to be uh, well, maybe about five people want it. Very controversial. <laughs> very controversial. Well, it's it. Let me just say this, Neil. It'll be a much more authentic lineup than the version of the band that's still playing today. <laughs> Dude, that is so funny. That is so funny. Yeah, that's only got one original member. Well, not even original, right? No, no, no. It's the, it's oh, that no. version of Sham Sixty Nine. Exactly. It's got the bass player. <laughs> yeah, it's got the later bass player. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, I'm not here to gloat. I'm not here to taunt. I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> I'm glad we could do this today. So anyway, so that was my Tuesday. Let's see. So I did go to one of the record store that was a couple of days later in a town called La Mesa. And oh fuck, I've forgotten the name of the song, uh, the name of the record store. Was that the reanimated or whatever? Yeah, thank you. Reanimated. Yes. Because so, you sent me a picture, I'm like, oh that looks badass, and you're like, eh. Yeah, so um the day after that, uh Chris uh was off work. He didn't have to be on the boat that day or whatever. The ship ship I should say, not go to boats, Jesus. What's the matter with me? They, they shoot me. Um, <laughs> Uncle Marv has a boat, Neil. He has yeah. a ship. Yeah, he's on a, he's on a naval ship. Um, so they were both off work the next morning. So we went out to breakfast, and Chris picked a place called La Mesa, which is an, you know, one, of the, one of these like suburbs of San Diego or whatever. So we had La breakfast. La Mesa at, means the table. And it was nice. It was a nice little town. I kind of wish Lydia lived there, to be honest, instead of El Cajon. Um, which probably means the convict. No. <laughs> that means the <laughs> testicle. Judging the name of it. Cajon, the testicle. Um, <laughs> but anyway, La Mesa, the, the breakfast was great, even though it was expensive as fuck, because I am the wallet. Um, yes. And, but anyway, we saw this, this store called, yeah, uh, was it Re- Re- Resurrect? Not Resurrect. Reanimated? Reanimated or, or something like that, records, yeah. And it, had a, it was closed because it was uh, the day before Thanks. 
no, it was Thanksgiving Day. It was Thursday. It was Thanksgiving oh, yeah, morning. Yeah. Okay, you're allowed so, to be close on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yes. So we, I was lucky that the restaurant we'll was it. open. Um, but yeah, so this place was closed. It looked really interesting. It had a lot of like horror kind of stuff in the windows, and it was you know looked like kind of a punky record store or something. It had like a death's head kind of or a zombie kind of head on the record on the uh, on the on the signage. So I was like, yeah, we'll go back there again. So. I think it was Saturday, or maybe it was Friday. We drove back to La Mesa, Laura and I, to go to this record store and have lunch as well. Because there was a lot of cool like little restaurants in this town. Um, picturesque town, very nice. So we did, we went in there, and the record store was really disappointing. Mm. It was one just of those... Just didn't have anything you liked, or just one, like... Because, uh, you know, it's one thing, there's record stores that are good that I don't ever find anything I like at, or it's just... Uh, tell me about it. What, what made right. it disappointing? It was a decent size... Um, but half of the store was put over to like old videotapes, videotapes and DVDs. Uh, so the, it was obviously very horror movie based. So there was a lot of that kind of stuff in there. And like I say, the, the, the other side of the store was all, all movies. So even though the store looked big from the outside, there was only one half of it was selling records. And, uh, it was one of those stores that it couldn't decide what it wanted to be. So it had a punk section, but the punk section wasn't very big at all. And uh, I think I think a record store needs to be focused a bit more than that, especially if it's not very big. Like that that huge record store that I went to in Grand Rapids with you, where they had a bit of everything. I yeah. mean, that, that's fine. But if it's but a, they had a huge punk section, a huge metal section because they yeah. have so much inventory. Yeah. yeah. So this place didn't really have much of a punk section. I couldn't see why anybody would go out of their way to go to this record store, right? Because it, you know. Not a lot of not a lot of dumpster diving. Uh, diving so great. Filter. So they, so they got too much class rock and everything else. Yeah, I mean, but even that, even that, there just wasn't very big sections because half the store is given over to like horror DVDs. And I, movies I think and the, stuff. I think the thing is, I think the as far as specializing, it kind of depends. Like if that's the only record store in town, yeah, and they're trying to please a general audience, then you got to do what you got to do. You got to tailor your store to your audience to a certain extent. You know. Now, one thing they do do, which is interesting, which I'm seeing more and more, especially out here, is they were selling old band shirts. And in fact, somebody mm. came in and sold like, like used yeah, or like used used like uh, old band shirts from the well, I, need I guess to do that, from man. the two thousands two thousands and nineties and stuff. So actually, someone came in after us and was selling. But he sold like five old band shirts, and the guy was like, "I'll give you fifty bucks cash, hundred and fifty bucks in trade." So so what is what is a used band shirt? I don't have any like from the. 80s really anyway. I, have, I might have some 90s stuff, but I mean, what is it? What does something like that go for? I mean, is it like 20 bucks? No, dude, or is that, it like 40 bucks? Or is it like 10 bucks? Dude, it goes to the hundreds. Oh, come on, it goes in the hundreds. If Why you, wouldn't if, you just bootleg it at that point, well, that was that, that was one what, of these print on demand kind of things that just have your own t shirts. That's what it was going to bring up, but that I think is interesting. So, yeah, if you get like a Nirvana like tour shirt or something, or like you know, yeah. any punk band, uh, you know, tour shirt like a social D one from the from the 90s or something. Yeah, those can be yeah. worth hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. But the thing is, like, Neil, people in this country have too much money. Well, everybody wants to say that they were there, right? Everybody wants to prove that they were there or they have more roots than they do. Um, I think there's a lot of that to it. But it's like, how do you prove it? Because if you buy an, yeah, if you bootleg a shirt today, you could make it look aged very easily. You, like, yeah. you soak it in bleach for a while and you put some holes in it and shit like that. So, how do you prove the vintage of some of that stuff? 
It's unless you have the original, you know, like in the eighties and nineties, the T-shirts were made by like Screen Stars or something or some shitty. Mm. That's the labels are still in them, right? That would be the only way to really prove that it's an authentic shirt. I think. I mean, maybe huh. maybe people have ways of proving it. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's interesting. So they had a social D shirt in there, which was just a skeleton on it, right? I mean, it was nothing special. It wasn't even you a tall T shirt. You could probably get one similar to it today. Yeah. And it was a bit faded, and it, they wanted 50 bucks for that. So it's like, oh, I don't know why anybody no, would, I don't know why anybody would do that. But anyway, I just thought it was strange, because I've seen that in a, in a few record stores out here now, in California especially. I've seen that in a few record stores. So I assume that's a, that's a trend that's going on. Is, uh, Silly hipsters. They don't have time for that in the Midwest. Yeah, well, they, maybe they will start doing that. I don't know, because you know, for, the, for the record store, that's a good moneymaker. Yeah, okay. You know, you know, if you can if you can sell a t-shirt for 70 bucks, you know, that's a I lot. I usually of... pretty much wear them until they fall apart. Yeah, th- that, so what yeah, what old shirts do you have? Well, I just, you know, I, I don't even know cuz I quit buying them quite a while back just because I don't need anymore, you know? Yeah. But once in a while I'll still buy one. I mean, I don't know. I got meat puppets and tons of a couple of meat men and you know, like just like I only buy a T-shirt if I really like a band, you know. So I got I got old punk T-shirts, no question. Well, these poison days, these I, days, poison idea, and you know whatever I got, I always buy them at shows. I never bought them like anywhere right. else. Screeching Weasel, I got I don't know whatever I got. Well, Screeching Queers. Weasel one might be worth some money. Actually, you might you might be surprised. But I think I have three or I think I have three or four of them, different eras. I think the oldest shirts I have, I have a Meteor shirt from like the early eighties. That's the I now that's know. amazing that that survived. I don't know if it still fits me at all. Um, but anyway, yeah, I have a Medias, Medias Mutant Rock from like 82. I have uh, a, some social D-shirts from like 89, 90 from when I saw them on a couple tours. On the tour with the Ramones for a start, I have a, I have a shirt from that. That was, uh, that was 92. I have a Ramones shirt from 1989. Uh, those are probably the oldest, oldest shirts. See, I don't, I, I don't think I have anything even that old just because... You know, I didn't used to have as many T-shirts. I look at old pictures or whatever. I'm like, oh, I love that dancing shirt, like the one that like had that looked like the first Doors album. Or I had, t- but I always, like I said, I just pretty much wore them till they couldn't really be worn anymore. And then I gave a bunch of them that were too small to some like local filthy punk rockers, like all my extra larges. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe I shouldn't have done that, but there, I don't know that there was much of a market for it. And I'd rather have them go to somebody who'd enjoy them than to give it to Goodwill or something. Yeah, well, now you could sell it for a hundred bucks. <laughs> Well, I guess I don't know that. I mean, dude, I'm looking at my closet right now as I lay in my pillow fortress of solitude, and I have three stacks of T-shirts, and they're just literally that you know the top shelf that's in your closet, yeah, above the like the bar where the clothes hang. It's just like there's three stacks just stacked up to the ceiling, you know. Yeah, and I just uh, I hardly need any of them. No, I mean I, it's not a matter of needing. I think now, like like when I saw New Rocket Union the other week, I all oh, the other months, I oh I, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm not. I, I I think it's a cool thing, and I you know, I mean, but like when we saw Channel Three in the spring, like Mike gave us a T-shirt. He did, yeah. But I have so many black T-shirts in the pile. I just, I mean, I mean, I couldn't even find anything I want. Yeah. So, but but oftentimes now, I'll, I I won't really want the T-shirt, but I'll just buy it to support the band. Yeah. Right, to try and get them onto the next. Like if now tonight. I'm supposed to be going to see the meteors. The meteors are supposedly playing in uh, San Diego tonight. And I say supposedly because they've canceled on me now twice in the past couple of years. <laughs> well, have you been like following them on social media? I mean, are they 
seem to be moving along successfully. Well, they played Vegas last night, so I assume they're going to be playing San Diego Ooh, tonight. Pretty good, pretty they're, good haul across. But. Yeah, they're playing so, uh, so, House okay, of Blues, so, I believe. So where's that then, Neil? What's the venue? House of No Hard Rock Cafe. I'm sorry, Hard Rock, the Voodoo Room in the Hard Rock Cafe in San Diego. Wow, so it's like a small room in a big place. I assume, yeah, I don't know anything about it. Um, Hard Rock Cafe, wow, that's a legit venue, I guess. Yeah, I mean, right? Legitimate, legit venues are overrated in the punk world. Let's face it, but uh, interesting. But it's, huh. got, but it's got voodoo in the name, so it's got to be a nice venue, right? Oh yes, yes, yes. So anyway, it's, but we'll see if that, we'll see if that comes about. But I'm looking forward to that. So you know, yeah, that'd be it, cool. Even though I don't need another media's shirt, like a hole in the head, I might, you know, if they have a decent looking shirt, maybe I'll, maybe I'll buy it. Just you, to, you, you, you see that guy walking around the satan, the satanic guy? You just be like, hey, you all grand rapids a show, dude. Okay, I'm gonna say that you'll fucking put a curse on me or something. <laughs> Your dog, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mm. Well, cool. So, that anyway, so you, you didn't go see Fear, which I said you needed to go see Fear. Fear and Lower Class Brats were playing somewhere in the suburbs. Yeah, was that the were, night you had your dinner party? That was Friday night. So that was um, yeah. They were playing Solana Beach, which is about forty-five minutes north of San Diego, like on the way to LA, kind of one of the beach towns. Mm. And I really wanted to go to it, but it was just you know there's so much family stuff to do with the wedding, and. Uh, I think we went out to dinner with Chris and Lydia that night. It was another hundred dollars uh, out of my pocket. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, you only get so much time with your kid. Of I course, guess. yeah. I, I kid. I kid. I kid. So you could always be in solidarity with leaving. You could pull your pants up to your nipples and uh, <laughs> yeah. walk around in a sweater like a doddering old man. No, it might. If if I had gone, it would probably be one of those things. I would have gone to see Lower Class Brats, and I probably would have stayed for like two fear songs. Oh, I, I wouldn't have been able to leave during fear, even though leaving's old. And the, <laughs> I, I just I love those songs, man. Of course, they put out a new album, and I see a lot of people raving about it. Have you got a chance to listen to it yet? I have not. No, no. So they put out a new album called Right and something for the right. I can't, I can't remember something weird. It's got a weird title. It's, 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 called, title. it's called Join AARP with Fear. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I see what they're doing with it. Like, they're trying to make, like, a classic-sounding Fear album. But your, the voices change, you know? The guy's voices change. Course, he doesn't yeah. have that. It doesn't have that I-don't-care-about-you voice anymore, you know? And it's I, I was not enamored with it. But I've had an attitude about some of this stuff. It's like, do we need this? Do we need a new Fear record? It's like, everybody, and I think this is mostly just hipster a-holes, are acting like they're so excited about the Dolly Parton rock album. Right. And do we need this? Do we need to hear Dolly Parton singing ACDC? Is this something that's going to make our world a better place? Do you need to see her in a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader outfit? Uh, I guess, yeah, 40 years ago. <laughs> I mean, hey, for a 70-odd-year-old woman, she looks better. Oh, yeah, yeah. But she might, well. there, you go, there you go, there you go. She's your sexy grandma in Depends. That's, that's, there you that's go. Dolly Well, and the thing is, I don't want to come across as anti-Dolly Parton because I'm not. I, I think she's probably one of, the, like, America's greatest songwriters. I don't really particularly care for that weird, trilly voice of hers all the time. I mean, I could take it or leave it. But uh, I'm not di- di- disregarding her talent, but... I mean, a double album of her doing duets with Rob Halford and John Bon Jovi or whatever it is with Kid Rock. I'm like, do we need this? Talking about Rob Halford, uh, Curtis told me, he told me about all the local rock stars that live in San Diego. And apparently, oh, was he in San Diego? Apparently, he lives in that, in that gay neighborhood I was just talking about. Apparently, oh, Rob Halford right? lives there and he hangs out at one of the local bars. <laughs> 
Well, I, I would, you know, if I saw Rob Halford at a bar, I'd be really excited. I'd want to go talk to him, but I wouldn't want to give him the wrong idea, you know? <laughs> so I guess I'd try not to dress the way he did in the 80s, right? There you go. The yes. leather long, pants, the spice. As long as you're not doing that, that's probably good. Um, he's He's gotten a real bizarre look now, if you've seen him. He tends to wear, like, these long trench coats. He's got, like, the long white beard, and he's got the bald head. He looks like a like a satanic wizard or something. A character in a science fiction movie. And uh, it's funny, I've been hearing, they, Judas Priest is still playing, but they have dropped, like, the key, like, you can tell they, they dropped, like, a half step or something. Sure, yeah, yeah. So he doesn't have to go up and get the high notes. And it sounds really, like, uh, gnarly and heavy. Hmm. I'm tempted to go see him again. I saw him uh, once or twice in the 90s, you know, I don't know if you call it, so not exactly their heyday, but, you know, closer to their heyday. But I'm tempted to go see him one more time, but I don't know if I will or not. Everything's gotten so expensive, you know. That's another thing I wanted to talk about, actually, but I don't know if we'll get to that today or not. But well, everything is very expensive here, so well, and it's it's let's yeah. play let's let's play another song and get to it. So um, I'm going to play that uh, everybody out, which was Rob was it Rob Barton who was from Rick, one of the original Rick Barton, Rick Barton? the original the original guitar player for the Dropkick Murphys. He played with the Outlets. He is a Boston slash New England legend. I answered a trivia question with him in it once, and I was supposed to get a prize pack from Tang Records. Never got it. Well, there you go. There you go. So, there you go, Curtis. If you listen to this, send send Tommy. I was supposed to get a record and some clothing. What's funny you say that because I was talking to uh, Doctor Disc uh, yesterday, and Doctor Disc said that uh, yeah, he liked Tang Records too, but they they owed him some stuff that they were supposed to send to him. So there you well, go. Well, me too. Yeah, me too. There you go. Maybe he was getting it for me. I don't know because it was it was a trivia question, and I took it seriously. You know, I love my uh, my punk rock trivia. And it was what name two of the three artists who have been on at least three different bands on the Tang label, hmm. and and one of them is Rick Barton. The other one would be Chris Doherty from Gangrene. Okay. Well, anyway, so, so anyway, so, there you go. I yeah. don't know who the third one was. I have no freaking idea. So let's listen to uh, yeah, everybody out who I'd never heard before, but this is a damn good song. So this is everybody out uh, with the song Ghetto Blaster. Blaster, disaster, I got my ghetto blaster Playing sympathy songs to my synthetic world Got a problem with luck, but sometimes I get struck Say I don't give a fuck, and I'm convincing myself Yeah, I'm convincing myself That I've been thinking, thinking too much Not even making a living, giving a giving, not even making a living. I'm in a bed by lust. 
that was Rick Rick Barton. Is that him? Rick, Rick Barton. Barton. Rick I Barton. can't remember what the, the 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 singer. I think is kind of a well known guy too. The thing is, they made that one record. And the whole record's great, but it's like I think they couldn't get along or something, and that was it. There's nothing they did. Hmm. Stuff on record. Yeah. So anyway, I'm glad he I'm glad he upsold me on it. It was it was only like 19 bucks or something like that. It wasn't it, it wasn't expensive, and it's, I think it's really it good doc- from what I've heard. It was the Doctor Strange store that somebody was telling me the prices were just outrageous at because you were saying the tank. I mean. $5,000 obscure, you know, or first presses side. It didn't sound like the prices were too bad in there. Well, the, 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 the Tang Records stuff, especially their own label stuff, is all $19.99, 20 bucks. I mean, that's, and which, is, which is great for an album these days, right? And their, their mail order used to be really reasonable. It's a little yeah. higher now, but I think it's still like 19 bucks for yeah. a record on the mail order. Which isn't bad now. The rest of the stuff in there, it seems like he, he keeps a really close eye on what things go for in Discogs. So it seems gotcha. like every everything is like that Dropkick Murphys album I bought. It was four. It was thirty nine dollars, I think, and that seems to be right in the and middle. Had, and you had, yeah, I was saying, you literally had me. Look, I was looking it up for you, and you weren't yeah. going to get any cheaper in the U.S. So. Yeah, yeah, it was the, exactly. So it, well, lo- was, it looks like his prices are very in line with what Discogs would be for you know for old older stuff. So, so Neil, Doctor Strange Records is in Rancho. Kukamango, which is Rancho Kukamanga, which is where the uh, if you're a wrestling fan, that's where the one of the famous tag teams is from. Rancho Kukamanga. Isn't that? But isn't they? Uh, is that close to San Diego or not? Because I think no. didn't Doctor just say when he goes to San Diego, he goes there. Oh, okay. All right, it's, forget it. That's in the L.A. suburbs. I, oh, it's I, in well, the L.A. Well, well, I guess it's not that far. It's probably a couple of hours, but um, okay, yeah. Well, because he's he's been kind of teased to us as a guest, too, or presented to us as a guest, too. We just can't seem to pull it together. So well, maybe if you, it, went, if you went and talked to him, I'm sure we could work it out. I'm sure. That, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll work just drive up there. Yeah. And instead, instead of going to the wedding tomorrow, I'll do that. <laughs> there you go. No, but I think he'd be a good guest. Listen, it doesn't sound like it's a big wedding. It probably won't take long. You have time after. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, we're going to be. We're supposedly going to Dave and Buster's after. Oh my gosh, is that right? Yep, because that's what the kids want to do. Oh, I hope you saved up your quarters, buddy. And it's the another day. place that ain't cheap. You're gonna have to get, you're gonna have to hand out like those cards to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it was right. Twenty five bucks. If you want more, you're gonna have to try, put it on yourself. <laughs> yeah, so it was interesting meeting the father, you know, the dad and the father in law. Um, you know, so it was it's just it was just an interesting yeah, we'll, we'll family dinner. Everybody was great. We had a really good time last night after all the work. And oh, so that's what I wanted to talk about. You wanted to talk about prices, so. Um, the one thing, you know, one of the advantages, obviously, of, of, of Chris being in the military is he gets a lot of discounts, right? So we actually went to the Naval Commissary yesterday. Ah, so yes. we get in this big line and we drive through. He has to show his military ID. But then you get into the, into the base and, uh, you know, they have everything there. They have a huge-ass grocery store, which is where we bought our, our stuff yesterday. I mean, huge. Huh. This thing was fucking massive, the size of a mire or something. You know, this isn't this isn't a, a place that just stocks like generic government cheese, right? This is a fully fledged grocery store, and they have a huge fucking liquor store. I mean, huge. So was the was the prices on groceries cheap too, or because you can only do so much of that, right? The prices on groceries were for California; they were cheap. So probably okay. about the same price as we pay in in Chicago. Ah, gotcha. But the advantage of being military, there's no sales tax. Ah. So everything is like you know ten fifteen percent. No, we don't pay sales tax on food. Oh, you don't? Okay. No. Yeah, we pay sales tax on most everything in Illinois, I think. So. Yeah, uh, thank you so much, Cook County. Yeah. Scumbags. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So it was just, but it was just an interesting dynamic 
to be going on the uh, on the naval base, you know, to to mm-hmm. buy to buy all this stuff. But yeah, we bought uh, probably about one hundred and fifty bucks worth of food and drink, lots of booze, mm. lots of booze, which. Yeah. Problem is you can't take it home with you, really. I know that's the thing with it. That's the thing with it. Yeah, is uh, yeah, we we got a lot of stuff that will be Lydia. Well, basically, we were grocery shopping for Lydia. I think. Ah, there you go. <laughs> so we got lots of chicken left over and lots of milk and beer. Lots of booze. Yeah, yeah. So that was it. That was an interesting day yesterday, but it, it went off. It went off well, you know. Meeting the in-laws that you never know how how that's going to go, but yeah, they sure. seem like nice people. Well, the thing is, obviously, I mean, you, you know, your kids are married, you're going to have a certain amount of contact with them, but it's it's not like you're going to, you know, you live far, far away, it's not like you're going to be, like, you know, visiting each other's house on a regular basis, it's right. just, you know, you got to keep it cordial, and that's about it. Yeah, that's exactly right, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, so, yeah, it was a, it's been an interesting, interesting trip, and we have another few days, we, the wedding is tomorrow, on Monday. Yep. And then we leave on Thursday. So Tuesday, Wednesday are going to be our days to do whatever the hell we want, basically. So, so what day does, uh, I mean, Chris get married, you guys, the kids are getting married on Monday. What days do you have to ship out? Well, he has to be back on the ship, I guess, the next day. Oh, okay. Um, he, so you get a little time with Lydia before you take off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think she's. Of course, got, she's working. She's, she's working too. So yeah, she's work, She's working her ass off. So she works in like the pet hotel at like uh, Pet Smarts or one of those places. And the thing mm. is, that's Thanksgiving is their busiest time because everybody ah, is boarding their pets to go away. The right? pet so, hotel. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's different than Pet Heaven, where I said pets. <laughs> Yeah, kinda. Yeah, yeah. And you send yeah, you send deers there too, I guess, right? Yes, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I was thinking that you should have played uh, "Who Killed Bambi." That's from the uh, from the from the from the soundtrack, right? The well, Sex I can't Sisters. remember what else I wanted to play anyway, so I guess we could still do that. <laughs> no, let's hope that Bambi didn't get killed. I was or, you know, that I was gonna say, I, and I can't. You know, the problem is, as I get older, especially, and we've done so many episodes now. It's I, I know we're repeating ourselves, but I can't really remember. Like I, I feel like I might have played this song before, but I'm gonna play it anyway because I really like it. It's a silly song, but let's do uh, this. Is uh, the replacements waitress in the sky? And why are we playing this? Because we were talking about it. Waitressing in the sky. So I needed a four song. Wait, I don't wait. Hold on a second. Waitress in the sky. How are we talking about that? Oh, the sky waitress. Jeez, Neil. I mean, yes. at least I can remember an hour ago. Well, I was the waitress. I was thinking in a restaurant or something. I wasn't thinking no. on a plane. Gotcha. Okay. Replacements. I don't know this song at all. Uh, replacements. Nope. Waitress in the sky. Okay. But a waitress in the sky You ain't 
for not smoking My own son says I'm sorry I'm smoking Don't treat me special or don't kiss my ass Treat me like the way to treat them up in first class Sanitation expert and a maintenance engineer Garbage man, a janitor and you, my dear A reunion flight attendant, my oh my You ain't nothing but a waitress in the sky You ain't nothing but a waitress in the sky You ain't nothing but a waitress in the sky Okay, Tom, what, what, what is this? Is a funny little ditty about how, you know, like garbage men are called like maintenance engineers and like how everybody has a fancy name sure. for, for their job. And yeah. it's talking to the waitress and you ain't nothing but a waitress in the sky. I'm pretty sure it was written after they, you know, drunkenly got thrown up an airplane or something. So, which era of replacements is that? Is that early or late? Or, yeah, it's definitely the Bob, Bob era still. I think it's from, uh, it's from Let It Be, I think. It's one of the, it's not from the first director, but it's. It's, so either from, it's either from Tim or Let It Be, which was like the end of the Bob. You know, the original guitar player was Bob Stinson, Tommy Stinson, the bass player's older brother. And they kind of changed dramatically after he left. Like, I would call him a punk band until he left. And then Paul Westerberg kind of took over, and it was a little more folky, a little more poppy. And some good stuff, but not they were not the band they were with Bob on lead guitar. So that's funny. That's one of those huge bands that I really, a lot of people love them. Check and I've never really the stuff the I've first, heard. It's okay, but I've, I've the never first really been. record. You know, the first record is a straight up punk banger. It's called "Sorry Ma, Forgot to Take Out the Trash." That's right. the one. I mean, we played some songs of. I think we played Johnny's Johnny's Gonna Die. I think right. we played a few few songs of it. But uh, yeah, that one is the the punk album definitely. And and I know a lot of people probably really didn't even hear the band until. Like they got a little popular, a little bigger, and they were kind of like college darlings. Yeah, after. Bastards of Young is the one song. Yeah, that was that was Bob Era too, but that was another one yeah. at the end of the Bob Era. Yeah, great song. Boy, that's a great song. Uh, Unsatisfied is another one that was kind of big. It was kind of like a radio song. Hmm. I mean, famous uh, for their famous for their drunken shows and fights. Oh and stuff, man, right? yeah. I tell you, and I know I've said this before, but there there's a book about them called Trouble Boys. It's about the size of a freaking Bible and a half. It's huge. But it is probably the pinnacle that I've read of uh, like musical journalism, punk journalism. Yeah, it's called Trouble Boys. It's so good. Who's it it's written about by? The band. Bob Murr or something like that. If I, I remember off the top of my head, so not a member of the band then. It was just no, no, who's no. Close it's exhaustively researched. And once again, I must talk about you know we were talking about dancing. You were talking about dancing earlier with uh, with uh, Curtis. The I'm not quite done, but I should be done by the next time we speak with the Mike McGran book, which I'm not sure if it's officially out yet or not. He sent you and I both a copy. It's called Miles Per Gallon. Right. It's about, it's a, like a bit of personal history and band history uh, mixed in with the tour from 1983. They toured all summer, just sort of going across the country. And I got to tell you, this is a fun read, great read, make you wish you were there kind of read. Neil, you, you need to get into it, but there's a great dancing story in that too so okay no i'm, I'm looking forward to reading actually that's interesting no, it's, we talk- it's really good it's a quick it's a quick read but mike's a great he's a great writer you know he, yeah. he really is it's it's a it's just a fun read and it's uh 
well, in, in that Channel 3 40-year um, double yeah. album that they put out, they have excerpts of the book in there. Yeah, and, and it yeah, was fantastic. Could, it was and, fantastic. And, and his liner notes, you could like, oh, this is good. I mean, it's, you could tell he's good. Yeah. But yeah, so I don't know if that book's officially out yet or not. It must be by now, right? And I've I been reading so. it real slow. I took yeah. it on vacation. And, you know, I, I read before I go to sleep at night, but a lot of times it's like five pages and I'm just out. Sometimes it's like two pages. I'm so freaking tired. Of my I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Now, it's funny that you talk about books, though, because I've been reading a good one as well. I haven't got to the Mike McGran one yet because I've been... Well, you need to get to that so we can have him on and talk about it because, it's, it's, like I said, it's a great book. No, that's fine. Um, but I've been reading this book that I, I think actually I bought in a secondhand store the last time I was here, and I just got around to start reading it. Um... It's a book by Gary Valentine. Do you know who Gary Valentine is? Uh, it sounds familiar, but no, I'm not exactly sure who that is. Okay. He was uh, the original bass player from Blondie. Oh, okay. okay. So the book is called New York Rocker, My Life in the Blank Generation. Um, okay. And it's I think based, you mentioned this, yeah. Yeah, so he was, he was in that New York scene from like 1974 on. So he uh. was there for the very birth of CBGBs and that kind of thing. And mm. um, it's fascinating because he he knew all those early bands right i mean sure. you know, he was at max's he was at like i said he was in cbgb's the early mm-hmm. years he was in bands before blondie when blondie was just uh well they were it was still the stilettos at that point or whatever but um he lived with debbie harry and uh chris stein they all shared a shitty apartment in the Lower East Side and that kind of thing. So it's story after story about those days and then about how the band formed and how he basically formed that early sound, like their 1960s kind of mod kind of look and that, and that kind of uh, classic uh, power pop kind of sound of the early Blondie albums. And, hmm. um, and he left in 77 or 78, before they got super popular, before Parallel Lines, uh, he basically left or was slash kicked out by Debbie Harry and Chris well, Stein. Well, at some point, at that it, just, point. it was just down to Debbie Harry and Chris Stein, right? Like, right. And that's still. And Clem, still? and Clem, I guess. Clem, yeah. The, Is that, the drummer. Oh, the drummer. Is that yeah. still the band? That's still the band with like other people, yeah. Um, Blondie is like, I mean, Debbie Harry is like 79 years old or something. Yeah, seventy-eight or something ridiculous like and that. She, they do not come out of this book very well at all. Uh, Debbie Harry and Chris Stein. Chris Stein. Well, I remember like when, they, when they got, when they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The old members of the band wanted to play with them again, and they just wouldn't do it. It was kind of like an ugly, very ugly scene yeah. or something. Yeah, I mean, it was, I see it right now. It's on, I see it on uh, Amazon, fourteen twenty nine. Not bad. Maybe I'll pick that up. Yeah, it's good. Well, as soon as I'm done, I'm basically done with it. I've just got a couple more pages to read. But when I'm done with it, I'll give it to you to read. It's interesting. But um, yeah, like him, Gary Valentine, Frank Infante, some of the people that made Blondie what they were. I mean, Gary Valentine wrote most of the decent songs. He wrote Ex Offender, right? Which is probably the mm. most, one of the most famous songs. He wrote well, those at least songs. Early, early yeah, the early stuff, stuff yeah. Um, and he wrote but, some of the stuff off Plastic Letters and off Parallel Lines, Gary Valentine well, wrote. Well, it's funny so. because, I mean, I think, I mean, Blondie has become Debbie Harry. You know what I mean? Yep. I think there's, it's almost like she is Blondie at this point. So it's yeah, fair or not, but 
But, huh. any, but anyway, it's an it's a, it's a interesting book, especially just uh, cr- chronicling some of those early bands and uh, what that early CBGB scene was like and a lot of the bands that, we met that never really got famous, like the Miamis or Tough Darts or some of those other bands that were good but never made it anywhere. And then he tells some good stories too, like the time that... Um, Oh, Jane County, Wayne County, you know, uh, mm-hmm. broke. Who was the main the guy? The original from, transgender before yeah, it was cool. Before it was cool. Uh, who was the guy from uh, that other early New York band? Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. My my, my mind today is the just... The Dictators? Just, uh, dictators, thank you. Yes. Who was the main guy from the Dictators? Uh, it was Handsome Dick Manitoba. Handsome Dick singer. Manitoba. Uh, Wayne County broke Handsome Dick Manitoba's uh, shoulder. In, a, in some kind of nice. on-stage altercation, because huh. I guess I guess there was a big uh, conflict between the Max's bands, Max's Kansas City bands, and the CBGB's bands. And there was really? a, yeah, it's like Max's wouldn't allow the CBGB's bands to play, and uh, so there was some kind of some huh. kind of infighting there. And I guess it it all blew up when yeah, Wayne County blo- broke handsome Dick Manitoba's. Nothing shoulder. more embarrassing than get beat up by a woman. There, well, handsome I, Dick. I, I guess it was with the mic stand. Yeah, one huh. of those heavy-duty mic stands. And Oof, shoot. the bass on those things. Yeah. Yep, and that's what hits. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Just, that's another just one of those like bands. That, you know? Dictator, the original Dictators made three albums, and they're all great, but, like, the version of the band now that exists doesn't have Handsome Dick in it. Handsome Dick had sort of drugged the band around for years with him being the only member. Another one of those ugly situations. And, mm-hmm. and there's not... I mean, let's face it. You put back together the classic era lineup of the dictators, you're still playing clubs. It's not like you're... It, it sucks, man, because they have a great legacy and a great name, but they don't have a draw, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like they're playing hockey rinks if they get the original lineup back together. Oh, that's sad, Neil. Sad. Yeah. Anyway, it's a good book. It's an interesting read. It's not that many pages. It's uh, it's a quick read, but uh, hmm. yeah, yeah, good good stuff. Um, okay, so the last song I'm going to play tonight is a band called Moving Targets. Do you know Moving Targets at all? That's a Tang band, isn't it? It is. Yeah, that's another, yeah. They were on this. These are all on that this Tang compilation. Ah, I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, I I was just like oh, I've never heard of this band before. Moving Targets was the name of the first Penetration album, which is why the name stuck out to me. Okay. Uh, so, but anyway, I only know it. one Penetration song, Neil. Don't, Don't dictate. dictate. That's the yeah. only song I know. Yeah, well, we'll have to we'll have to educate you there. But um, anyway, moving targets. I listened to some of the stuff, these early singles, and they're really fucking good. Mm. So, um, I am going to play this song. Is I think uh, mid eighties, probably maybe maybe eighty seven or something. Anyway, this is moving targets with a song called Squares and Circles. <laughs>
those moving targets. So again, from the East Coast, I believe, with squares and circles. And I don't know anything about them at all. So if anybody wants to write in or you know comment on the group about about mm. moving targets, they're certainly welcome to. But I really like what I've heard from that band. So um, huh. I was happy to play that. Yeah, I don't have any of their stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, they kind of moved in one of those post-punky kind of ways, too, because the one I've just played, Squares and Circles, is more punky, but then some of the other stuff that I've listened to from them is a bit more post-punky, you know, uh, but not not metal. Like a, like bands kind of went in two directions, right, after they stopped being, being punk bands, they had to go yep. metal. Or they, they went thrash, or they went... Yep. Yeah, they went like, like Joy Division-ish or something, and uh, they certainly went in that. Lots of direction. That is, that is interesting, man, because a lot of those Boston bands did go the metal direction. You know, Gangrene obviously went kind of thrashy and even had a couple of bigger albums on one of the bigger labels. And like I said, M8, MIA that we were talking about earlier kind of went more like a... It's like it either went U2 or Metallica. Yeah. Um, and, and some of those, like I said, some of those records, as long as they didn't go too far, were pretty good, even. I like the metal stuff especially, you know, but... I could probably do like 10 songs just based on punk band, you know, like Verbal Abuse, for example, made like a thrash album in the right. 90s. Right. So, yeah. What's, I it, don't know. what's interesting about this record is that they have, I mean, I don't know anything about the Lemonheads, but the Lemonheads were on, were on Tang, I guess. Their yeah, early yeah, stuff their first couple records, on, yeah. yeah. And I just always knew them like in the early 90s as like a kind college alt rockers. Yeah, college yeah. alt rock band. I never took seriously at all. Like um, shame about Ray and like Mrs. Robinson and that yeah, kind of stuff. Exactly. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. But I guess they must have more of a history than that. They must be, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know them really well either, other than that '90s stuff. Uh, are the songs on the comp any good? I haven't listened to them, to be honest. You haven't got that far yet. Okay. No. no. Of course, uh, you don't. Like I said, you don't have a turntable. You're just you're like Apple Musicing what you bought basically. Exactly. Right? Or I'm going to YouTube and just and just handpicking some stuff to to play. For the, like I don't know negative effects either. Yeah, they were a real serious hardcore band. Uh, they only did one one EP, I think, and I think you get like stretched out into a government war plans or something. It's called. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. It's I don't got know Charles Manson really, on the cover, right? It's got. They a, were kind of like. I think they were kind of the negative approach of uh, yeah, of Boston. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what the way. Of course, it who knows? Because I think SS. You know, they just reissued the SSD record. Do you know SSD? They were another Boston yeah, band. The, yeah. the kids will have their say. Yep. Just got a proper reissue on trust. They said it was a first first reissue in forty years. The originals were going for a thousand bucks. Um. And I, so I actually went back to listen to it because I never really appreciated SSD back in the day. And it's pretty decent. Pretty decent record, actually. So. Now, weren't, weren't they one of the first uh, straight-edge bands? Yeah, they were. The guitar player, Al, I think it was Al Burreal or something like that his name was, he was big into that movement. Like I think they were before Minor Threat, even. Like militant, like they beat people but up at shows and shit, right? the singer, <laughs> as often happens, the singer wasn't. Like, <laughs> yeah. Spring, his name was. Um, so I, I might pick that up. You know, once again, trust they just they're putting stuff out fast and furious. I know you said you had the you got the uh, youth, youth brigade, brigade reissue, yep. Yep. which I am dying to get. But I really haven't been to a proper record store for a while. You know, we just missed Black Friday record store day, but there wasn't one thing I wanted. I didn't. I didn't even go out. I just i i just sat in my house and listened to records I already have, which yeah. is what I should do anyway. 
Yeah, I didn't go. I didn't think even think about going out because, like you say, there was absolutely nothing that I wanted in the record store there this year. It was a very yeah. disappointing. Lineup. Usually, there's something, one or two things, but yeah, it was. And this is granted. This is not the real record store. This is the Black Friday record. Store. This is kind of the bonus record store day. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, and and I was like, well, I could go over there. You know, my buddy will be working or whatever. But I'm like, you know what? I'd rather just go over there on a day that's a little slower, so I could shoot the shit with my pals over there and not feel rushed and have all those people all over the place so yeah so anyway well yeah they just keep showing up on my porch you know they just keep showing up my porch i don't i don't really need to go out well that's nice it must be my dad knows your tough life people just keep sending you free shit that's good well it, it is nice it, it's yeah. real nice but uh they they want things to return you know, <laughs> they want your blood, blood, blood sweat and tears well, like I said, if you send me records now, I'll probably send you back more than what you send me. If you send me something I like, just because I'm kind of trying to work on cleaning my stuff up. But no, are, are, but, you, st- are you still doing reviews for that magazine? I am. I am. Which which magazine is it again? I'm doing, uh, that that's good enough for me. I'm doing for. I'm not doing new noise now. Okay. What was the- I liked writing for new noise? It was fun, but I, that was more like a deadline thing, and I, I just I'm I just don't like writing on deadline. Well, new new noise as well has. I mean, I. I that new noise is a print magazine and a uh, and a website. Uh, that's good enough for me. Who I'm writing for, it's actually a guy who left Punk News, and he just I, I just kind of contribute where I where I wish, and I think he's okay with it, and I'm okay with it. And I, you know, I go to a show, I have a hard time not writing about it because I'm kind of in that mindset. So I did write about the Andy Hero show. I, I don't think I'm going to do the Dwarves. I'm kind of slowing down a little. But when I tried to just quit, like when I quit Punk News, I just tried to like quit cold turkey. I, I just I kind of missed it. So now I'm in a situation where I can do as little or as much as I want. And uh, so yeah, I'm still writing reviews, and people are still sending me stuff. And when they send me stuff, I will write a review of it. Well, new noise, new noise as well seems to have one of those. Uh, they seem to be. Uh, they try and make some political statements. It seems they try and be. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, they're very they're, woke or it, something. It, it, yeah, they are virtue signaling. That's what that's what I meant. They're vir- there is a lot of that. There is a lot of that, and it's well, it's it, you know they're trying to be really LGBTQ forward. I think, um, which I, I, I don't I, just, I don't have an agenda about any of that stuff, and uh, so but it, that's not the reason. I like I said that has nothing to do with why I'm not. I was actually even doing some online stuff for them, but I'm you know um, the thing with with new noise. I think it's a lot of people who really want to make it like be a writer like want to be a writer and i kind of didn't want to take bread out of the mouths of people who are trying to make some sort of a living either when i'm just doing it for shits and giggles yeah, that's cool yeah i understand that so well, yeah. and the thing with and i gotta tell you the thing with this guy that that's good enough for me you know i'm probably doing a review every week or two i'm not doing a ton but i want to help him get established he you know that's my kind of motivation uh and maybe at first it was more like a kind of a spite in the eye of punk news kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, you know, their time has come and it's time to go somewhere else. But, you know, anyway, just a nice guy, the guy who runs it. And I I don't know. If somebody wanted to pay me some money to write somewhere, which New Noise did actually pay me, um, I would probably think about it. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Well, there you go. Right. I should probably just retire in general from writing, but I, I do, like, if you read a review of mine, and that's good enough for me, you get to the end, it's got my little bio, and it's got a link to the podcast. 
So I always kind of think of the one as sort of being uh, uh, advertisement for the other or, you know, a certain mm-hmm. amount of synergy between the podcast and the writing. And that's part of the other reason I don't want to give it up entirely. So, Well, you are, uh, you know, not to blow smoke up your ass, but you are a very good writer. I mean, well, I, I, I really enjoy re- reading, the, reading the things that, that you put down because you clearly you put a lot of thought into them. And it's not just a, it's not just like some of those reviews. I'd always make fun of the punk news uh, reviews on punk news, and this isn't to bash punk news at all. But just as people yeah. writing reviews for them that really shouldn't be writing reviews, and everything gets fucking eight or nine out of ten. I mean everything. Yeah. So I mean, you know, the, well, the, the I, reviews are meaningless at that point. It's funny. I I, re, I when I uh, got this, I got a record in the mail from a band called Come Closer the other day. Their first record was on Pirates Press, and I sort of remember it, kind of an indie rock punk kind of thing. And I looked up my review that I had written before and I'm like wow that was really well written by me and I don't have any recollection of it at all it's like I'm Stephen King like I'm just writing novels on crack or something I don't remember <laughs> even, I don't remember what I was doing novels but, on crack they're a very good uh, post-punk band actually <laughs> yeah there we go there we go well, Neil, I suppose I can't. I, oh, you know what? We'll talk about how expensive concerts have gotten later. We'll talk about that on a different time because I don't want to rush through it. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll let you get back to your family. And I, uh, I am also been. They were about ready to start eating lunch when I came up here originally, so I should probably go have a little lunch. Sure, we'll, I believe we're gonna we're gonna go see a movie later. The whole family. We're gonna go see the Hunger Games prequel. So. Oh Jesus. Okay. Um, when well, my I, kids were little, the Hunger Games were. I shouldn't say little, but like my teenage kids, the Hunger Games were a very popular fra- uh, movie franchise with us here that we used to watch. Yeah, I so. saw the first one. I thought it was okay, and then they made a couple of sequels that I didn't. Yeah, those four all together, and they yeah. got a little ridiculous. But you know what are you going to do? Well, so we're going to sign off with. Um, I bought you a Tang record, right? I bought you yes. the, uh, business the business struck mercy split. split, which is called yes. Mob, Men- Ugh, Mob Mentality. Mob Mentality, yes. And this came out as a 12 inch and a 7 inch of just the single. It's a fun listen. It's got a couple covers on it. And, uh, uh, like The Streets of Boston is a cover of The Streets of London. And, you know, it's, it's a fun, fun little record. And, uh, you know, Mickey Fitz, R.I.P. Yep, Mickey Fitz, R.I.P. Exactly. So, yeah, we'll play Mom Mentality. We'll play the title the title track. My songs today were as scattered as I've ever... I, I Usually I try to have some kind of a, like a theme or something. Not today, man. Not today. So, yeah, this is uh, Dropkick Murphys and The Business. They're, they call themselves Mick Business on this song, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Mom, Mom Mentality. Okay. Class old school, y'all. Yeah, I'm a 
was the uh, the last one tonight. That was Dropkick Murphy's Business Split. Uh, that was them doing actually combining to play that song, McBusiness, uh, with yes. Mob Mentality. So uh, yeah. yeah, good stuff. And uh, yeah, so we, yeah, I will. Uh, we I leave on Thursday, and then I'm sure we'll record when I get home. I'll tell you all about the media show if they show up. Yeah, hopefully that oh. happens. You yeah. know, we, like I said, we got a couple of big. Uh, guests sort of circling in the hoppers and we also have um uh, yeah we're gonna do a lot of year-end wrap-up stuff like i said yep. we have a kind of a big one planned and then we will do ours separately i'm sure the highly coveted you know ptid awards which yeah, is and I've got something make- that no one could ever take away from you if you win one of those and i've got an idea for that that we can do um Yes, dear. Okay. Apparently, show's <laughs> over. She found. Oh no, Neil's wife found it. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing Laura's shoes right now. So, <laughs> her slides. So she wants. She wanted the slides back. I'm right out of the hot tub. Um, yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening. It's time for us to sneak away into the night. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Before the family comes. Uh, so yeah. So uh, yeah. Keep a little mark in your heart and uh, stay free, everybody. We'll smell you later. Smell you later. Okay, that brings us to the end of another show. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, keep a little mark in your heart, and we'll be back the same mark time, same mark channel. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Ah, ha, ha. Ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Good night. What a fucking rotter. What a load of old shit. Thank you, fuck you, bye, boom. Can you dig it? Can you dig it?